Today, if you're turning with me in your Bibles, we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12. We're going to look at a few, we'll jump around to some, probably for the most part, some pretty familiar scriptures today and, and stories and, and verses. But I want you to listen because I believe that what God's laid on my heart to talk about today is so applicable to all of us. Like it's something that every one of us need to hear in one area or another. So, so today we're going to just talk for a few minutes about letting go. Just simply about letting go. Like you've probably got some things in your life that you need to let go of. You weren't meant to carry everything. We've got to learn to let go of the past. For some of us, we need to learn to let go of fear and stop letting fear lead and dictate what happens in our lives and ultimately help decide our future. Some of us, we just need to learn how to let go of hurt because we're living in this life and in this world and with other crazy people and we're going to get hurt we can't just hold on to that well we can hold on to that hurt I mean you can just grab it up and hold on to it for the rest of your life but then you don't have an open hand to receive what else God has for you it'll hold you back it'll slow you down it'll weigh you down we got to let go of hurt for some of us it's loss the loss of a loved one or the loss of something as simple as a job or it could be the loss all kind of different losses we experience in life and every person in this room has experienced some kind of loss like you've lost probably hundreds or thousands of things in your life it's just a part of life and so we have to learn how to let go of that because we can just hold on to a loss and usually it's a big one it hurt I'm not taking away from the pain of any of these things I'm saying they hurt it's hard and I mean, I wish it was just real easy that I could say, hey, everybody, let go of everything that's holding you back. And we would all be like, okay. Like, I mean, yeah, it's easier said than done for sure. For some of us, it's just stress, right? We hold on to stress and we let it keep us back. We let it hold us back and slow us down. For, for some of us, it's a big one. It's unforgiveness can't forgive somebody for what they did we can't forgive somebody for the past or, or we can't forgive ourselves for what we did or some of us we get mad at God and, and it's just we can't forgive God it's unforgiveness we gotta figure out how to let go of that we gotta figure out how to forgive if we ever want to be whole and healed and really walk in true freedom we want to look like Jesus and look like God, we have to forgive. We have to figure that out because unforgiveness just turns into bitterness. And then we're walking around these bitter people that nobody wants to be around and we don't look like God. So we got to learn how to forgive. We, we have to learn how to heal and move on and, and let go of unforgiveness. We have to let go of guilt. We have to learn how to let go of shame. We got to get rid of the trash. And if you just keep letting trash pile up and pile up and pile up, it, 
it makes everything else that's good no longer good. It's just a whole big pile of trash. You can't even tell there's anything good in there or not. Keep holding on to things. Some of us hold on to what we should be. I should be this by now. Should be that by now. My life should be here. I should be here in my career. I should be married with 4.3 kids and two dogs by now. Whatever it is, like we put these things on, we hold on to it, and then we miss what God's trying to do in this season and in this moment because of some where we thought we should be right now. Says who? My God's big enough to work all things together. So wherever you are in life, you're called and loved. And he has a purpose and a plan. And you've not been through anything. You've not done anything that can mess that up. He can use wherever you are. So let go of where I should be by now. I wasn't going to say that one. It wasn't in my notes. So that must have been for somebody. We got to let it go. Why? You got to let it go so you can go. Right? You're holding on to all these things. You're not moving forward. You're not going everywhere that God wants you to go. You're not advancing the kingdom if you're holding on. If your hands are full of all this stuff, we're supposed to live an open-handed life. All right. Hebrews 12. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside most of the weights... It says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. That beset us, it means trip us, make us weak, take away our joy. The writer here is saying, let us lay aside every weight and sin. So weight and sin are different. Right? It could not be a sin. It's just a weight you're not supposed to be carrying. You know, you can try to carry somebody else's weight and it can beset you. It can trip you. It can make you weak. It can steal your joy because it's something you were never meant to carry. You're carrying something that God didn't put on you. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. How? Well, he tells us in verse 2. Looking unto Jesus. Not looking unto other people. Not looking unto the pain. Not looking unto the lost. Not looking back to the past. Looking unto Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He said, just look to Jesus. Look how he did it. Watch how he did it. Who for the joy that was set before him for the purpose of the cross. Jesus came for a purpose and a reason. And Jesus endured more than I've ever had to endure. He had it pretty rough. Some, some pretty bad stuff happened to him. 
He endured because he kept his eyes on the prize. So what are we supposed to do? Keep our eyes on Jesus. Watch how he did it. Remember what he did. So I was just thinking about things that we hold on to and and weights that we need to let go of and sins that we need to let go of. And, And I mean... We can all agree, like, if we've got a sin in our life, we know is a sin, then we probably need to let go of that. It's hurting us. It's not helping us. It's not helping the people around us. It's not advancing the kingdom. But I want to think about the weights, too. And as we think about people, and I was thinking about things that people hold on to, things that we keep. You know, people are weird keep some weird things. You know, some people keep their baby's teeth. Kind of weird. First tooth my kid ever lost. I know a bunch of y'all do. Do we have any of our kids' teeth, Jesse? Okay, I guess we're saving them for later. When ours fall out, maybe we can borrow those. What about hair? Any of y'all keep your kids' first haircut? You know, a big curly lock of hair. You stick it in an envelope and keep it. Oh, Rita's got some hair. Oh, Jesse's got hair too. Anybody keep their umbilical cords? Anybody? Okay, let's, let's move on. We hold on to things. What about your... Any of y'all hold on to your skinny clothes? (laughs) Right? You got half a closet full of skinny clothes that you might fit again one day, like the size you were when you were 18. Yeah, give those to somebody that'll bless them. You're not getting that small again. (laughs) uh, When I was training for bra for a cause... You know, and I lost all that weight and was doing some insane cardio and training and stuff. And I told Jesse, I'll never get that big again and got rid of all my big clothes. So here recently, I've had to go buy some more big clothes. (laughs) Right? But I let go. And and rebought. I don't know what, like... It's hard for me to let go of an old pair of shoes for some reason. Like I can have a destroyed pair of tennis shoes and I will justify keeping them like, well, I could use those to weed eat in. What if I need something to slip on to run into the pig pen with and I don't want to ruin my good shoes, but I have three other pairs of trash tennis shoes and a pair of boots that I wear in the pig pen. So I might have like four or five pairs of like just, I'm talking about garbage tennis shoes with holes and worn out soles and and like I walk kind of weird and I'm pretty heavy so they'll be like having my feet bowed out like that. Like it's not even, but you'll just, I talk myself into keeping them, stick them in the back of the closet because you know, you never know when you don't need multiple pair of weed eating shoes. (laughs) But there's something in us that just wants to hold on. Hold on to things. And the more you hold on to, it becomes a pattern. And they've done all these studies and stuff that I was reading up on. And, and they say it's a pattern, and then it becomes an addiction. 
And some people take it so far as to become hoarders. But see, the stuff, once we start holding on to stuff, it gives us a sense of control. And it can give you a sense of security. And there's all these things that it starts doing for you. And you set up these patterns and you start holding on to this and holding on to that. And I can't get rid of this and I can't get rid of that. And, and when we're talking about stuff, it can be kind of dangerous. Right? But then when we're talking about spiritually holding on to things, the same thing can happen. And it's not a good thing. It slows us down. We hold on to all kind of things that we were meant to use and let go of. To release. So what is it that's in your hand that you need to let go of it? What is, what is it that's in your heart that you need to release? What is it that's on your phone that you need to let go of? Now, I used to be a screenshotter. You know what I'm talking about? Something I might need to, I'm going to screenshot that and keep it for evidence later. Look what she said to me. In case I need proof, look what he put on Facebook. What are you doing? I got kind of convicted about that when I go back to look for an old picture of a pig that I looked at a while back. And I go flipping through my pictures and I see these screenshots of things that like bring up negative feelings and why they said that to me or why when they quit the church they said this and it wasn't true and it, it's like things like that I would need if I have to defend myself this is what was really said or, or he said this and so if it makes me look bad then I can go back and pull up this old proof of a text message that I saved so that I can pr and God's like so I don't need to fight for you you can fight for yourself huh I said, yeah, I got this. Take a break, son. No, I didn't. I said, I'm sorry. And delete voicemails and screenshots and text messages and things that I've held on to, some of them for years. For what reason? And now I blame it on the dumb iPhone because it won't even let you let stuff go. There's a recently deleted file. You can go right back and recover that stuff in a couple days when you change your mind. Go right back to disobedience. <laughs> you got to delete the recently deleted files too. Like, let it go. For what? As long as you want to keep fighting for yourself, then I feel like God's just waiting back. Hey, when you decide to let me in on it, I'll fight for you. Would you rather have God fighting for you or you rather try to put it all on you? That's too much stress. And then that's an, that stress is another thing I need to let go of. What is it that you're holding that you need to let go of? Is it a sin? Is it a weight? Is it somebody else's weight? Is it something on your phone? Is it an app on your phone? Like, What do you need to let go of today? That could be holding you back. Can I tell you that everything that happens to you shouldn't become a part of you? A lot of things are going to happen to you in life. I don't mean that 
as a negative thing, but we just, we live in a fallen world and things are going to happen. But everything that happens to you doesn't have to be a part of you. Kind of like a duck when you dump water on his back, it, it falls right off. You don't have to hold on to things. You get to pick what you hold on to is what I'm trying to say. You get to pick what you let stick and what you let slide off. We don't have to hold on to everything. You can use it in any situation. You should look for the good. You should, you should look for God. Look for how is God going to use this in my life. You can value it, even a bad situation. Realize God's working. God can use this even if you can't see it or figure it out. But look for God. Look for Him. You can value it. You can get something from it. But then you got to throw the trash away. You don't just hold on to all the negativity and the bitterness and the like I'm so thirsty right now. My mouth's just dry. And God just provided a Gatorade. It's a blessing. It's a blessing in my life. It's nice and cold. I'm going to partake of this blessing. Refreshing. Nothing wrong with what's happened so far. Right? God sent a blessing. I was thirsty. Needed hydration because I let myself get dehydrated drinking too much caffeine, playing softball all day yesterday. <laughs> Probably needed electrolytes. Here's where the problem comes in. If I'm not willing to get rid of this trash, then it's got my hand full. I can't turn the pages on my Bible and now this trash. And you're looking at me going, oh, that looks kind of weird. Why is he carrying around an empty bottle? Why has he got a piece of trash in his hand? And when you start to look at me, the more things I began to hold on to that I won't let go of. And every situation that I'm in, if I find something negative, some trash, some piece of waste, something that I don't need, and I keep holding on to it, eventually I'm just a big piece of trash walking around and when you look at me from the outside looking in you don't even see my value all you see is trash and when I step in front of a mirror I don't see my value I just see waste I just see trash because I'm not letting go of the things that don't matter I'm just I feel like I'm holding on to everything we have to let go That's not who you are. You're not waste. You're not trash. You're valuable. You are the apple of the creator of the universe's eye. So let go of the trash. Use it. Find God in it. Learn from it. Grow from it. And then let it go. Ask yourself this week when you, when you do an inventory. Ask yourself, why am I holding on to that? Is it helping? Is it pushing me to a life of purpose? 
Or is it a weight? Like, is it something holding me back? Are you winning? Or do you have a lot of things slowing you down? Do you look like love? Who's your daddy? You'll start looking like what you worship. What you're carrying and what you're holding on to. This is what your life should look like if you're running the race, if you're walking in purpose, if if you're looking more and more like your dad. This is what our life as Christians should look like. Romans 12, verse 9. We're just going to read these few verses right here from 9 to 21. And just packed in these few verses, there's a lot. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. That's what we were just talking about with the Gatorade bottle. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. So he said, be joyful, be patient, be faithful, practice hospitality, live with an open hand, be generous. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Well, that's easy. No, it's not. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And when I read that this week, I thought, man, I've heard that verse so many times. I've quoted that verse. I've preached that verse, the, the verse 15, right? Rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep or mourn with those that mourn. I've heard that and everybody quotes verse 15, but we ignore 14. Bless those that persecute you. Bless and do not curse. You can't do verse 15 well until you learn to do 14. If you want to do 15 well, if you want to be able to rejoice with people that rejoice and mourn and and get into relationship and do life with people, you can't just skip over verse 14. Well, how do we do that? We've got to learn to trust God to make it right. Well, what will happen? Verse 16. Live in harmony with one another. That's what will happen. You'll live in harmony with other people. Do not be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. 
if it is possible, as far as it, it, as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Life's not fair, but God is just. God said, it's not your job to find revenge. It's not your job to make people pay for their wrongs. Leave that to me. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Don't be overcome with evil. There's a whole lot of evil around you and in the world, and there's evil. There is evil. But as Christians, we don't have to be overcome by evil. Well, what are we supposed to do? We overcome evil with good by doing good. You can overcome evil by just doing good. We overcome evil with good. Or don't let evil become a burden that you're trying to carry. Overcome it with good. Look at Isaiah, Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40, verse 27. I'm going to change the name here. I'm going to let you insert your own name. Why would you ever complain, New Horizon Worship Center? Or why would you whine, Dusty? Saying, God has lost track of me. He doesn't even care what happens to me. Don't you know anything? Haven't you been listening? God doesn't come and go. God lasts. He's creator of all you can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired out. He doesn't pause to catch his breath. And he knows everything inside and out. He energizes those who get tired. He gives fresh strength to the dropouts. For even young people tire and drop out. Young folk in their prime, they stumble and fall. But those who wait upon God, they get fresh strength. They spread their wings and they soar like eagles. You just stop right there for a minute and think about eagles. That's powerful and awesome to see an eagle or just to think about an eagle with these giant wings. And they spread their wings and they soar like eagles. But if you think about how an eagle learned to fly, it wasn't a pleasant experience. It was rough. If you go look at it, how the mother eagle builds a nest, she purposely picks thorns and rigid splintery sticks and stuff and builds this not comfortable nest. And then she layers it with layers of soft feathers and 
might use a little bit of straw or something to make it nice and padded and soft. And she has these little babies and they hatch out and they think, wow, this is the greatest thing in the world. I have the best, most comfortable place. It's the baby eagle sleep number nest. Perfect number. And they're wonderfully happy. And as she feeds them and as they grow and she knows the time is drawing near, she begins to pull out feathers pull out hay and straw and it flies away in the wind and it becomes more and more and more uncomfortable for those chicks now when they lay down they're getting stabbed with a thorn now i got a splinter in my in my leg over here the mama's making it uncomfortable for them for a reason to push them out of their comfort zone because she knows very soon they're going to be kicked out of the nest and if they can't fly, they're going to die. Why? They have a purpose. It's an awesome purpose. They're going to be able to fly. See, they're going to be able to spread their wings and soar above any storm that they will ever face, but not if they stay in that comfort zone. Not if they don't figure out how to let go of the comfort and safety and protection of the nest. If they can't let go of that, then they're going to die. Eventually, they'll die in the nest. The big full-grown eagles sitting in a nest is just not going to work. And so they're made to feel very uncomfortable in the place that they're in. They're stabbed and hurt, and ultimately, they will be pushed out and they will feel rejected, abandoned, fear. And what they do in that moment determines the rest of their life. Some of us might be there. Some of you might be feeling real uncomfortable. Right? Maybe you're going through something. Maybe you're in a relationship. Maybe, maybe just the whole year of 2020 got you just... I feel so uncomfortable. Maybe you're getting pushed towards purpose. Maybe the purpose on your life is a whole lot bigger than you're thinking. Right? You're looking at the inside walls of this nest and God's looking at the open skies. Don't look at something uncomfortable and think it's a bad thing. It's all about perspective. It's a push. God is more interested in your purpose than your comfort. They spread their wings and they soar like eagles. They run and they don't get tired. They walk and they don't lag behind. So how do you run and fly and walk, step and, and not grow weary? Isaiah just told us you wait. King James says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Mount upon wings as eagles. But the word that was translated wait there, it's a Hebrew word. It means to hope in, it's to have hope, to be gathered, to gather together, to look for. To gather together or to wait. So it is to hope, to look for something, to gather together or to be gathered together with a group. 
So that's what you're doing right now. You're waiting. You're looking for something. Right? You're looking for God to speak. You're looking for how God's working in your life. You're looking for your instructions for what to do. Like today, I need to let go of something. So we're gathering together. We're looking for God in our lives and in our situation and whatever's being brought to our mind right now. So we're waiting. The word that was translated, waiting there, we're doing it right now. We gather, we wait, we look, and we hope. We have hope for a future. Whether we're in a good place right now, we have hope for a future. If we're in a bad place right now, we have a hope for a good future. And we're going to keep moving forward. We're going to spread our wings. Paul said, I don't have it all together. But one thing I do. Paul's like, one thing I got down. Forgetting the past, I press on toward the mark, the prize of the high calling, God's purpose for my life. I'm going to keep pressing forward. I, I will not let the past hold me back. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. I fall down, but I'm going to keep pushing on. The future is bright. Keep moving forward. I like how Paul always, he reminds us, you know, Paul the apostle wrote almost two-thirds of the New Testament and he always reminds us throughout there to remember. You know you can focus on what they did to you or what Jesus did for you. You get to choose what you want to focus on. I know people hurt you and people have hurt me and I could choose to focus on that. Where's that going to get me? What's that going to do? How's that going to help the people around me? How's, how's that going to advance the kingdom? How It's not. It's just going to slow me down and become something that I was never meant to carry. You can focus on what they did to you. Or you can choose, no, I'm going to focus on what Jesus did for me. That's what we read in Hebrews. Focusing on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Remember Joseph, the story of Joseph in the Bible? We won't read it because it will take a really long time, but I think we're all pretty familiar with Joseph. He had a really rough start. Like right at the beginning of his story was good, and then it got really bad for a really long time. He was a kid, and he was his dad's favorite, and he got given this coat, and he had, these, he had a couple of dreams about what God was going to do, and God showed him his purpose. And then his brothers like beat him up, threw him in a well, we're going to kill him. And the one older brother just stuck up for him and let him, didn't let him kill him. So he said they, did, they came up with this plan to sell him into slavery, human trafficking. And so they said, oh, yeah, that would be better than killing him is sell him to those people. And they took him to a foreign land, and he was a slave and had to work. Then finally worked his way up by being faithful and having integrity and, and character and still loving God and worshiping God, even though that horrible thing had happened to him. And then he got wrongfully accused by Potiphar's wife, and he was thrown in jail. And like now he's in the jail. And the what happened? He kept walking in obedience. He respected and honored God. He lived a life of worship and integrity and kept doing the right thing, no matter where he was. No matter what the circumstances or the situation looked like, no matter how bad people tried to hurt him. Even his own family, his brothers, 
even his boss, even his, like, everybody was against him. The whole world seemed to be against Joseph for a while. For about 20 years. None of the dreams God gave him came to pass. None of that awesome stuff had happened that he felt like God was saying. It was just all bad. For 20 years of bad, that's, that's pretty hard. 20 years of not seeing the promise. Wondering, did I miss it? Like, God, where are you at? Why is all of this happening when I'm being faithful and I'm doing what I'm supposed to do? We know that Joseph became the second most powerful man in the world at that time. The only person more powerful than Joseph in that time was Pharaoh. Joseph was the next man under him because he interpreted the dream and predicted these years of famine were coming and Joseph was put in charge to store up food and there was this huge famine and, and literally nations were dying off around them and the Egyptians and whoever they chose to help got to live. And Joseph's brothers were one of the ones that were starving literally to death in this famine. You know, they probably didn't even think Joseph was still alive. It's been years and years now. And they gathered up all their goods and they went to Egypt to just beg to buy food so that them and their dad could just live through this famine. And they showed up. Remember, Joseph's the second most powerful man in the world. He can do whatever he wants to do. And it would be lawful. And his haters were delivered to him on a silver platter. The ones that wronged him. The ones that sold him into slavery. And every bad thing that's happened in my life was because of them. And now, God has given me the power to do something about it. He could have said, execute them, and it would have been done, and nobody would have even thought it was the wrong thing. In fact, people probably thought that's what he should do if anybody, if he told them the story. He was also in the position where now he's above Potiphar. He could have righted that wrong too. He could have had Potiphar's wife killed for lying about him. He could have had Potiphar thrown in the same jail. But he didn't. He didn't do any of that. And the brothers show up and what does Joseph do? He, he starts crying. Why? Because he didn't remember the pain. The Bible says in Genesis 42, 9, that Joseph remembered the dream. It says when he saw his brothers, he remembered the dream. He forgot all that junk. He remembered the dream. He remembered God. He looked back at a painful situation. He looked back at the past at something that should never have happened. 
Your brother shouldn't beat you up and throw you in a well and sell you to some strangers. That shouldn't happen. But Joseph was in such a place in his life that he could look back at the worst situation, the thing that started all the bad in the last 20 years. And all he could remember was God. And all he could see was how God used it. He didn't even remember the pain. It it brought him to tears and he fed his brothers. He remembered the dream. And he fed them. The memory I let take residence in my heart becomes my compass. It determines the direction I'm headed. The things I choose to remember. You know, it's, it's cool that today fell to be the communion day for the prayer team because that's what that's about is remembering Jesus. It's remembering the sacrifice that he made. And what you choose to remember when you look back at your past and you think about memories and, and you think about these things, good things, bad things, it becomes your compass, directs you where you will go. Forgiveness brings fruitfulness. Genesis 41, um, 41 verse 51. This is after um, Joseph, it's before the brothers showed back up, Joseph had two kids. When he became number two under Pharaoh and he saved them all from the famine, um, it says, And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For God said, He hath made me forget all my toil in all my father's house. And the name of the second called he Ephraim. For God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. So Manasseh, it, it means causing to forget. It's a Hebrew name. And Ephraim means fruitful. This was before there was restoration. This was in the foreign land after 20 years of heartache. And, and Joseph is naming his kids like, God caused me to forget the bad things. And so I'm fruitful. Even in a place I didn't plan. Even in a foreign land. I'm fruitful. That's the kind of attitude I want. They hurt me. But God healed me. Uh, they broke my heart and God made it bigger. They took my coat. And God gave me favor. When I look back, I, I want to remember God. Joseph did test his brothers. All right? He tested them before he trusted them. But I want to remind you that Joseph put in 20 years of hard work, 20 years of growth, 20 years gaining wisdom 20 years of trusting God the story would have ended much different 
if Joseph would have put in 20 years of unforgiveness, if there were 20 years of bitterness built up, 20 years of sour grapes, 20 years of why me? Why'd this have to happen to me? This story wouldn't have ended this way. Joseph trusted God to make it right. You've got to forgive. Forgiveness simply means to let go. To let go. The other party doesn't have to make it right for you to forgive, for you to release and let go. Forgiveness. And forgiveness does not mean stepping back into abuse. No. You can forgive and be safe. You can forgive and let go. Sometimes you just outgrow people. And that's okay. But you got to let go. Don't let somebody else's sin keep you from your purpose. Keep you from obedience. Worship. You know, God created us to worship. We're all worshiping something. We give our praise and our worship to something. We were created to worship. Please don't let somebody else's sins silence your praise. Please don't let the things that other people have put on you or, or sins that you've picked up along the way silence your praise and who God's called you to be. I got one more scripture. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. Genesis 50, verse 18. Look at this. Now Joseph's brothers, now he let them know who he was. Because they couldn't even recognize him, right? He looked like an Egyptian. And so he let them know who he was. And look what they say. In Genesis 50, verse 18, his brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. Please, we'll be your slaves. We sold you into slavery for 20 years ago, so please, just we'll be your slaves. Just please don't kill us. You know, we left dad at home. We're supposed to bring him back food. He'll die. We'll die. We'll just be your slaves. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Hey, guys, stop. Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Like Joseph's saying, hey, guys, it's not my place to make you pay for what you've done. That's not my place. It's not my place to punish you. You intended to harm me. But God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and for your children. 
and he reassured them and he spoke kindly to them see not only did he forgive them he said hey you know even the things that you meant to harm me God used them for good for the saving of many and I'm not only going to feed you but I'm going to take care of y'all's kids too there was no bitterness there was no hurt like he had somehow figured out how to let it all go and he said hey it's okay and, and I got some for your kids too God used it and yeah it sucked and yeah it hurt real bad but it's okay that's how big God is that's how powerful our God is it's obedience and worship, praise, trust. That's what success in the kingdom of God is measured by one thing, obedience. Not by wins and losses. In Exodus 15, um, when Moses has led the children of Israel out of slavery... Right? Remember Moses led them out and, and they come to the Red Sea. They're trapped. They're stopped. And Pharaoh's army is coming after them. And so they panic. They freaked out because there really was nowhere for them to go. And uh, when God delivers them, you can go read it in Exodus 15. But Moses sings a song of worship. And they all join in and begin to worship. And he sings this song of worship after they crossed the Red Sea. It was the greatest obstacles that they could imagine. The sea in front of them and the army coming behind them. The sea... It represents what's in front of you. It is what it is. There's nothing you can do to change it. It's always been there. And because of it, you can't move forward. You can't advance. You can't go on to what God has promised. You can't make it to the promised land because the sea is something that's been there. It could be a handicap. It could be a talent that you don't have could be a flaw that you do have it might just be your family or it could be your race it's something that you can't control it's not your fault but it's keeping you from moving forward it's stopping you from doing what God called you to do the other obstacle was Pharaoh's army coming in behind him they were being pushed. Remember we just talked about the eagle being pushed out of the nest. Pharaoh's army was pushing them. Now, I wonder if Pharaoh's army never chased them. Would they have just set up camp there? Not crossed over? We know it still took them a long time to get there anyways. But like, would they have even, if they weren't pushed, would they have just been so happy to not be slaves anymore? They were getting pushed and very uncomfortable. 
Pharaoh's army, it's, it's something that's coming after you. And if you stop moving forward, it will attack. It will defeat you. If you stop. If you just sit here idle, it's going to catch back up with you. This might be an addiction. Right? It's something, it could be something from your past. And either one could or would stop you. But both? They, they had both. Something in front of them and something coming behind them. You must have God. Moses had two ingredients that he used. Obedience and worship. Obedience isn't really obedience until you don't understand or until you disagree. Up to that point is training. If I tell my kid, go over there and eat candy, and he goes over there and eats candy, is that, I mean, that could be training him to do what I say, but real obedience is tested when you don't want to do what I just told you to do. Or when you disagree with what I just told you to do. That's when obedience is tested. You got to keep doing in the dark what you knew to do in the light. Or your feelings will take over. When you can't see. When you don't know what's next. When you don't know why things are happening, you'll just do what you feel like doing. And then you can end up well off course holding on to and carrying some things that you were never meant to carry. What does a kingdom life look like? Obedience and worship. Obedience and worship. Obedience and worship. And in that, you will find freedom. You will find hope. You will find faith. You'll find love. You'll, you'll find a trust that's unreal. Obedience and worship. Obedience and praise. In that, you will find value. You will know your worth. If you're carrying anything that you need to let go of, Today, maybe I said something, I don't know what it is, and I'm not going to ask you to come up here and say what it is or take the microphone and tell what you need to let go of because we don't have that much time. But if there's something that you need to let go of or if there's something in your past that has kept you from your purpose, maybe it was a pain, maybe it was a sin, maybe it was a family member. Maybe So if there's something you need to let go of, if, if there's something in your past that's kept you from your purpose, or if you want to feel what freedom feels like, if you want your song to be on the soundtrack of heaven, I'm going to ask you if you fit in any of those categories. Um, to just come on down and stand along the front. We're just going to sing the bridge to that, that new song that we sang at first. And we're going to sing that together. And that's how we're going to end the service today. And I just want to give you an opportunity to say to God, 
You don't have to come up here and say to me what it is you have to let go of. But if you want a minute and just an opportunity to say to God, hey, there's something I need to let go of. Or, hey, I realize there's something in my past that's held me back. right? Or if you just want to join in with the, the sound of heaven. I think one of the coolest things I've seen in the Bible is if you go read in Revelation 15. And, and the bridge that we're about to sing is, this is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. And, and one of the coolest scriptures is in Revelation 15, where John got the vision of heaven. He said, and they were singing Moses' song. So that song that we just saw in Exodus 15, that Moses sang this song of praise, even though they were in a hard place and there was an army behind them and there was a wall in front of them, a sea in front of them, Moses chose to praise God in that. And it was so good that the angels were like, dang, that's good. Write that down, boys. Hey, we're going to be singing that around the throne. And they took Moses' song and put it on the soundtrack of heaven. That's some powerful praise. That's a flawed, murdering man that had some anger problems was teaching angels how to worship. Think about that. Angels are just created. They just, they're created and they worship. But when they look at a human and they say, man, he's been through all that. He's got all these temptations. He's got this all he's got the temptations of sin and he's got hurts and pain and abuse from his childhood and and he still chooses to praise and worship God wow what a testimony it says they were singing the song of Moses God gave them all harps so if you feel like coming come if not you can just stand where you are and and we'll sing through this bridge a few times and then we'll be dismissed. Living looks like This is what freedom feels like This is what heaven sounds like We praise you, we praise you This is what living looks like This is what freedom feels like this is what heaven sounds like We praise you, we praise you This is what living looks like This is what freedom feels like This is what heaven sounds like We praise you, we praise you This is what living looks like This is what freedom feels like This is what heaven sounds like We praise you
God, we thank you and we praise you for what you've done in our hearts and our minds today. Thank you for being a real God that loves us and for speaking to us. We praise you and we worship you today. In Jesus' name, amen.